Welcome to Shopcasts, a weekly podcast where we answer questions about some of the most important values of the growing prayer movement in Canada. My name is Emily, and joining me today, as always, is Brian Creary, Director of Sanctuary House of Prayer in Winnipeg, and also my dad. Good morning, Emily. <laughs> Good morning. So, recently, it has been becoming fall in Winnipeg, and it's been actually pretty cold, but this week, it is 40 degrees. I know. What's going on? And we're sweating. Do you like that, though? No, I absolutely hate it. I know. We're true Canadians from Winnipeg. <laughs> we can't stand it. And for those of you that are out there and listening beyond the Winnipeg borders, it's going to feel like 39 today. Celsius. Celsius. And it really should feel like about 10 degrees. Yeah. And so uh, Emily's got an iced drink in front of her right now because she's trying to cool off. Yep. <laughs> so recently, we've been talking a lot about the audience of one. Now I have another question for you. Um, what does it mean that Jesus is worthy of worship and why is it relevant to the prayer room? Jesus' worth uh, and his, uh, the way that we understand his worth is critical to the, the overall activity of the prayer room, even though it's one of those ones that's in my uh, years of history seems to be the most misunderstood um, the Bible is actually pretty clear when you when you read it and you see the way God is described both in the Old Testament and the way that Jesus is described in the New Testament. You see this picture of Him being glorious and awesome and most worthy of worship, and yet that somehow that understanding has not made its way into the way that we we operate when we come into to uh, times of worship and types of prayer. We kind of we miss something, and some so somehow there's a disconnection. And I I feel like the Lord would like to enhance that again and cause us to see um, his awesome worth and his, the glorious nature of who he is more clearly so that we would be able to cooperate in that way. One of the things that we don't think really clearly about is that uh, worship, the activity of worship, is actually a response to what we see. So when we think about worship, we should have images in our mind of the person of Jesus the very person and nature of God is described in the Old Testament and not an activity or a practice. And that's usually what we think about. When we say, if I say to you, what do you think about worship? You're probably going to go, well, okay, musicians, singers, uh, happens for a certain period of time during the day. Sometimes I like this. Sometimes I don't like that. My own worship leading is all right sometimes. But what we should say when we think about when we say the word worship is Jesus is glorious. He's awesome. I see ever increasingly, I see the, the incredible nature of who he is and he is deserving of or worthy of our worship. The expression is a response to what we see. In the sense that like worship is just like a practice rather than a response. Mm. In my own experience, worship leading, like I sometimes just think of it as like the duty that I have to go up there now. Like I'm signed up to do the three o'clock set. So now it's my turn. Mm -hmm. I try my best to actually like get involved and just ignore the crowd and do my own thing up right. there. But it's hard when you're like, that's kind of your job. Right. And cause you, you're like responsible for bringing the people into it as well. So you kind of have the pressure to do a good job and help them engage as well. Mm-hmm. So you're leading people in worship. So your challenge is, as a worship leader, 
you're thinking functionally. What songs do I pick? What kind of music is going to work best? How do I fit it all into the time frame that I have? How can I get these people to be engaged? But ultimately, what, you're, what you need to do even for yourself and what you want everyone else in the room to do is see him, uh, be struck by the greatness of who he is, and then respond to what it is that we see. He's not just our best friend. He is not just the bride to the bridegroom to the bride. He is not just uh, a good teacher, a good leader, you know, the many things that we understand instinctively. He is great and glorious and awesome, far surpassing anything that we have on the earth, um, far surpassing anything we have on the earth. And we fail to uh, grasp that easily. And so therefore our, the response of our hearts and worship just matches that that lack of understanding. We just come in real low all the time because we don't know what we're looking at. And we've talked about this in the previous episodes. So I'm struck right now by the fact that the Bible describes them differently. And let me read to you from, it's from Isaiah chapter 40. I'm going to use the New Living Translation because it's just a kind of an easy one to understand. I'll read you a few verses. It says, Who else has held the oceans in his hand? Who has measured off the heavens in his, with his fingers? Who else knows the weight of the earth or has weighed the mountains and hills on a scale? Who is able to advise the Spirit of the Lord? Who knows enough to give him advice or teach him? Has the Lord ever needed anyone's advice? Does he need instruction about what is good? Did someone teach him what is right and show him the path of justice? No. Now, watch out. Get ready for this. This should, this should humble us. No, for all the nations of the world are but a drop in the bucket. They are nothing more than dust on the scales. He picks up the whole earth as though it were a grain of sand. All the wood in Lebanon's forest, all Lebanon's animals would not be enough to make burnt offering worthy of our God. The nations of the world are worth nothing to him. In his eyes, they count for less than nothing, mere emptiness and froth. I mean, drop in the bucket, uh, dust uh, on the scales, blown away, uh, worthy of nothing. It's a it's an overwhelming picture of the greatness of God who stands above and beyond, and it's just different than than we think. I mean, let me, let me continue. Verse 21, haven't you heard? Don't you understand? Are you deaf to the words of God? The words he gave before the world began, are you so ignorant? God sits above the circle of the earth. The people below seem like grasshoppers to him. He spreads out the heavens like a curtain. He makes his tent from them. He judges the great people of the world and brings them all to nothing. So what he's talking about there is even leaders, even people that think they're great. So the, the political parties, and we see that right now, there's an election about to happen in Canada. There's uh, the beginnings of one in the U.S. Everyone's running around thinking they're great. And the Lord sits encircled above the earth, looks down and says, you're grasshoppers. You're little, you're insignificant. Now, the reason I read all that is because the proper response of a human to who he is, if you can see him, is he alone is worthy of our praise. He alone is worthy of our worship. I mean, you, you know this, Emily. Lots of things compete for our time and compete for our affection and compete for our energies. It feels like there's lots of things worth doing in the run of a day or a week or a year or even a decade to give yourself to something. Yet above and beyond all of that is the greatness of this one, and we barely pay attention. Do you know, do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. <laughs> Why don't we think about it in that way then? Because well, we can't see clearly. 
Really, we're built to be uh, to be focused on ourselves. We're we're designed in such a way, and our culture reinforces it. And then we just don't see him in in his greatness. You can't do worship properly if you haven't done theology correctly. Theology being the knowledge of God. So you have to see, and you have to know who he is, and then you respond to what you see. So if you don't have those two things working to in in uh, together. You end up singing songs about yourself. We try to shorten the worship time from, you know, 30 minutes to 20 minutes. Uh, we're more concerned about whether people are going to like it and they're going to stay. Do we sing old hymns or do we sing new pop songs? What about the words on the screen? None of that's relevant. None of it. I mean, it's relevant in some form and that it helps people stay engaged in the, in the activity of it. But worship is a response of the created beings to the awesome creator who, I'm, I'm going to make a big statement, it's not just that he's worthy of it. It's not even just that he is uh, more worthy of it than all the other things that compete against us. I would say that by necessity, the earth, and certainly his ones that he's, that he's already won to himself, should be giving themselves to ongoing worship uh, because of his worth. It's, it's a necessity. The earth should be turning and they should be honoring him in this way. He's the one that holds it all in place. Yeah. It's pretty crazy because when... I lead and I actually like have an experience or like catch a glimpse of just like that aspect of the Lord. And like, it just feels different when I lead. And then I, I want to push for that and I want to keep going into it. And then I totally ignore the clock. Like I could be 10, 15 minutes over the time where I was supposed to switch. Mm -hmm but I have to stay in this. Because you touch something. Yeah. Right. Some some form of revelation struck you. In the early days of our house of prayer, you were just a young girl at that time, so you wouldn't remember this, but we had a, a season where the Lord was really talking to us about his worth, and there was a late night set, and uh, a series of us were still in the building. Uh, nobody else was there. It was the classic audience of one thing happening. And we got into this holy, holy, holy response. And we were singing of his greatness. And we were we were kind of outside of ourselves. I was the prayer leader at the time. And I, I just remember everybody really connecting with this idea. He's glorious. He's on his throne. He's in heaven. We join with the four living creatures and the 24 elders and the angels assembled and we declare it. And we got to the end of the set. It was over. It was the, you know, the, the hour had been wrapped up and we were done. And everyone just sat there in silence because you just knew you had touched something transcendent. You, you were really connecting with his glorious and awesome worth. And it wasn't just an exercise in religious duty. We had actually encountered him and it was so powerful. Nobody wanted to get off their stools. They all just sort of sat there and went, wow, what did we just experience? And that, that's what I'm talking about. Why doesn't that? happen every time then? Well, I mean, it's a combination of things where we're on the one hand, uh, the Lord can come near and reveal himself powerfully anytime he wants. And sometimes that happens, but a lot of the time he leaves it to us to say, will you come near to me? I've given you the, the scriptures. If you stare at them, long and loving meditation, as Tozer likes to say, and you come nearer to him, you see him. And when you see him and you interact with him and you talk to him and you becomes a real person, then the response of your heart is going to be genuine worship. And in a prayer room context, it's so central because to come and to pray, to give yourself to intercession, you've got to have this other part. You've got to understand who it is you're talking to and his greatness. You've got to be able to minister to him in, his, in the awesome nature of who he is. And, and, and I would, again, I'm going to go as far as to say, I don't think it's optional. I actually think that what is just on the earth is for the people who he created to turn to him and to honor him in worship. 
And I think less than that is an injustice. And therefore, the prayer rooms of the earth rise up and go, well, we'll provoke and we'll take the lead on it and the Lord will win the hearts of his bride. But justice is coming to the earth and it's coming when his people turn and honor him in full worship. I like that. It's like a different experience coming and having like your set all planned and like thinking that the Lord is going to be like, leave it to us as in like, oh, you have to have this and this and this done and then I'll come. But it's more like, come and bear your heart to me Mm. and then I'll come, Mm. you know, instead of like my responsibility is to have this and this and this laid out in the proper way and then I'll get the Lord to come. Right. He has much he wants to show you. Yeah, that's great. It really makes you think like how small you are. (laughs) So next week, we're going to go deeper into this idea. And for those listening, you can find more information on this topic and much more at our website, sanctuaryhop.com. And also check out another shop production, The Burning Rooms Podcast. It's in its second season already. It's available everywhere you find podcasts. My name is Emily, and on behalf of myself and my dad, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.